the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Chalcedon Report number 22, July 1967. Syncretism is an unfamiliar word for a very familiar and dangerous reality. The first definition in the second edition of Merriam-Webster's Dictionary calls it, quote, the reconciliation or union of conflicting beliefs, unquote. And the second definition defines it as, quote, egregious compromise in religion or philosophy, unquote. If a man believes that God and Satan, good and evil, can be reconciled and united, he is a syncretist. If a man holds that we remain true to the U.S. Constitution and have a welfare state, the man is a syncretist. If a man believes that Orthodox Christianity can be reconciled and united, or live in peace with modernism, humanism, Mohammedanism, or Buddhism, that man is a syncretist, not a Christian. A syncretist has always abandoned his original position, even though he refuses to acknowledge this fact. Syncretism has a very long history, and a very honorable one. On the whole, unfortunately, most cultures have been essentially syncretistic, The hostility to syncretism was born with the biblical revelation and is inseparable from it. The intellectual attitude of antiquity was geared to the absorption of rival doctrines and religions, and syncretism was a matter of basic policy in many cases. In the biblical revelation, God repeatedly identified himself not only as the only true God, but as a, quote, jealous God, unquote, Exodus 20, 5. An example, totally exclusive in his jurisdiction, truth, revelation, and government. Therefore, man can have no other gods before him. There can be no syncretism. Biblical revelation cannot be mixed with anything else. Israel, however, was inclined toward syncretism, especially the northern kingdom. Israel, which gave itself more consistently to syncretism, whereas Judah sometimes faithful, sometimes apostate, was less inclined to attempts at uniting biblical religion with Canaanite cults. The ministry of the prophets was largely a denunciation of syncretism and a pronouncement of judgment against it. Ahab has gained particular eminence in history as a great syncretist, but every monarch of the northern kingdom from Jeroboam to the end held the same position. Hence, the destruction by God of the northern kingdom and their separate existence. 
Now, syncretism is destructive of the human mind of rationality. To recall earlier illustrations, a man who wants to unite good and evil, Christianity and Buddhism, the U.S. Constitution and socialism, has lost the capacity for clear thinking. His mind is darkened, clouded, fuzzed over, and incompetent. And apart from the history of the biblical faith and its cultures, the intellectual history of the world is a sorry one. The one clear period of eminence, Greek philosophy, perished because of its reconciliation of unreconcilable ideas. An example, form and matter, change and permanence, etc. The same is true of Chinese, Indian, and Arabic Muslim philosophies. Their years of eminence were relatively brief and their collapse notable. As syncretists, they themselves destroyed the minds of men by attempting to reconcile what they themselves saw as antinomies of reason. They're bent to syncretism, bent on uniting all anti-God aspects into a system made them finally immune to clear thinking. All non-biblical thought is essentially humanistic. It is guilty of the basic, the original sin, the attempt to be God, determining for oneself what constitutes good and evil in relation to purely personal or humanistic standards. Man, by presuming to be God, has by that act destroyed the possibility of true thinking. From so radically false a premise, no valid conclusion can follow. Syncretism is thus one aspect of the destruction of the mind and evidence of it. Syncretism blinds the mind to the most obvious facts. To cite a painfully obvious example on Friday, June 23, 1967, President Lyndon B. Johnson and the Soviet dictator, Premier Alexei N. Kosygin, met at Glassboro, New Jersey. The President of the United States happily reported of Kosygin, quote, He has been a grandfather longer than I have, and he and I agreed that we wanted a world of peace for our grandchildren, unquote. Oakland Tribune, Saturday, June 24, 1967, P.E.B., quote, Grandfather Summit, unquote. For Johnson, peace is peace. As a consummate syncretist bent on integrating everything, which is what syncretism does to all things, Johnson fails to recognize that there are different kinds of peace. Soviet peace is for a Christian both war and slavery. To negotiate peace with Marxism is to negotiate war and slavery. As a good humanist, Johnson believes that all men and all religions really want the same thing, and each in their own way, are all working towards the same goal. Johnson's course, which is America's course, offers no hope whatsoever. But Kosygin is a syncretist also, not as muddled a one as Johnson, but still a syncretist. Like all Marxists, he assumes that the dictatorship of the proletariat himself and his associates, is the only God history knows. He assumes that Marxist politics, like God, can create. Therefore, he believes that politics can legislate economic production. As a result, Marxism pushes its people nearer to famine continually. The Marxist tries to reconcile economic prosperity with a war on economics. This is syncretistic thinking, 
and attempt to reconcile conflicting things. The Marxist tries also to reconcile the total enslavement of man with the total liberation of man. His thinking is too muddled for him to recognize the chaos he creates. A central goal of modern syncretists is the union of all religions into a one-world religion as a companion to a one-world state. Some authorities say that the June 1966 18th National Convention of the Communist Party in New York City, in promulgating its, quote, Operation 76, unquote, placed high on the list of goals the union of all organized religious bodies in the early 1970s as a universal, quote, Church of World Brotherhood, unquote. But this goal is more than a Marxist hope. It is a devout hope with all syncretists who see man's greatest freedom and peace in the total integration of all religions. Other syncretists call for racial integration as a means of breaking down, quote, divisive barriers, unquote, and, quote, freeing, unquote, man. Still others demand a new morality geared to man, one which will bring men together in terms of, quote, peace, unquote, and, quote, unity, unquote. Rather than dividing them in terms of Jesus Christ and his absolute law and his exclusive salvation. Christian chastity and morality will be assaulted by such men and is being sharply attacked as neurotic and unhealthy. All who do not unite in the, quote, health, unquote, of the world's syncretistic order will be treated as mentally disturbed and sick. Already in the name of Christ, man is being worshipped and the Bible denied by the religious leaders of the syncretistic world. The Bible itself is already a banned book in some parts of the world, forbidden as, quote, hate, unquote, literature, and as subversive to the unity of the syncretistic order. In the face of this, some humanistic conservatives want us to be syncretistic also, to forget our religious differences and to give priority to a particular project or election, as though the world's salvation rested on the candidacy of Joe Doakes. Elections are important, but truth is more important. And the root reason for the syncretism of our age is that biblical Christianity has been abandoned by most Americans in favor of humanism. Make no mistake about it, the American people want syncretism, and they are paying good money to get it. They may complain sometimes because of certain aspects of its program, but they are basically committed to it. Syncretism, remember, tries to reconcile two irreconcilable things. And this is what people want. A prominent, wealthy, conservative, and very influential woman told me, more graciously than it sounds in print, that my religious faith is, quote, barbarous, unquote. The only kind of God she stated that she can believe in is one who saves everyone from every kind of problem and never sends anyone to hell. In other words, religiously, she wanted to eat her cake and have it too. She was insistent that she is, quote, as good a Christian as anybody, unquote, and, quote, a good humanist too, unquote. She believed that Buddhists, atheists, Muslims, and others all went to heaven also, like herself, on their own terms. She is only unhappy at the socialism she gets from the pulpit, not the humanism 
and basically she is content with her church. And there are more than 150 million like her. They are syncretist. For them, God's only purpose is to ensure man the true sovereign of the best of all possible worlds. They complain about some things in their syncretistic churches, but they hate biblical Christianity. They are buying the kind of religion they want in preference to bowing down before the sovereign and triune God. They have cast their vote and their dollar against the God of Scripture, but the power of God is not dependent on their vote or their dollar. Quote, the word of God is not bound, unquote, 2 Timothy 2, 3. And their syncretism will have results. It will lead to their integration into death and judgment. God still remains a, quote, jealous, unquote, or exclusive God. And truth will forever be exclusive of error. And right will be exclusive of wrong. For, quote, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world is and they that dwell therein, unquote. Psalms 24, 1. Galcine Report number 23, August 1967. The evidences of anarchy are increasing on all sides. Criminality, rioting, looting, burning, and general lawlessness are becoming normal in our society, and law and order unusual and abnormal. Who, in 1964, would have believed that in 1967, over 80 cities would see racial violence, and the violence has only begun. The anarchism of existentialism is apparent in racial student movements, in popular music, and in the, quote, hippies, unquote. The churches are proclaiming this gospel of anarchism. One recent sermon in a prominent church was on, quote, the advantages of adultery, unquote. The world of business and civil government is also saturated with dishonesty and immorality. As Fred J. Cook has shown in The Corrupted Land, The Social Morality of Modern America, 1966. But what we have seen is only the beginning. The worst is still ahead of us, and people may soon recall 1967 as, quote, the good old days, unquote of peace and quiet. We have no right to be surprised at all of this. Basic to all social order is authority, religious authority. The authority undergirding Western civilization has been the authority of the triune God. Christian authority led, first, to godly peace and to law and order. In other cultures, order is imposed by force and by a pagan religious faith which induces subjection. Christian law and order, instead of stifling man and society, liberated it. Second, this liberation of the Christians was twofold. Man was freed from the burden of sin and guilt, and thereby gaining inner liberty, and man was freed from subjection to a divine state or ruler, thereby gaining outer liberty. Third, the free Christian man was able then to capitalize, to work productively, and to save for the future. The modern world of technology has only arisen as a result to this Christian heritage. Now, however, Christian authority is denied. All godly authority is overthrown in church, state, school, home, business, 
and private associations. And when men deny and despise God's authority, it is then nothing for them to deny and flout all human authority. Freedom from God's authority means, finally, freedom from all authority. And the result is that man moves steadily and rapidly into the abyss of chaos and anarchy. Having denied God, man makes himself a god and insists on equality, since all men are gods. The basic principle in law today is equality, so that it is now predicted that lawsuits will demand equality of income as the next step in the, quote, civil rights, unquote, revolution. Richard M. Ellman, in The Poor House State, 1966, favors a high, quote, guaranteed annual income, unquote, for all on welfare and an end to, quote, doctrines of individual achievement, unquote, as means of victimizing the poor, page 299. In the name of equality, we are being led into socialism and communism, even the, quote, right to privacy, unquote, is being steadily attacked. Thus, a psychologist has attacked the concept as a front for evil and deviation and has written, quote, an honest mind should be an open window, unquote. An example should withhold nothing. Moreover, quote, the closed door in most households is not so much a guardian of privacy as a symptom of prudery, a barrier between the generations an obstacle to fluent sex education, a reinforcement of guilt and repression, unquote. Chester C. Bennett, quote, what price privacy, unquote. In the American Psychologist, Journal of the American Psychological Association, Incorporated, Volume 22, Number 5, May 1967, pages 371 through 376. Equality is the basic principle of anarchy. It levels all things and denies authority, that is, any authority other than the anarchic individual. Where God's supreme and absolute authority is recognized, then equality is automatically denied, because all things then are good or evil, better or worse, higher or lower, as they fulfill God's moral law or represent His legitimate authority. In the history of socialism, over and over again, its basic premise is cited. Quote, if there is no God, then all things are equal, unquote. All men are then equal. All ideas are equal. Good and evil are equal. Right and wrong are equal. The only difference in things, as John Dewey pointed out, is then pragmatic. All things are equal, but some are most useful at the moment. The destruction of authority in our Western civilization and all over the world is now far gone. The result will increasingly be anarchy. Historically, collectivism has succeeded best where it has had a background of authoritarianism. Marxism has succeeded most, as in Russia and China, where it can utilize a strong tradition of authority, of church and state in Russia, of family and state in China. In every area, however, Marxism itself creates anarchy and moves towards anarchy and collapse. Without outside help, every Marxist economy and state would collapse. Western civilization, by denying the sovereign authority of God, is moving steadily into anarchy. It is destroying its foundations. 
Christian law and order are disappearing, and evil is being rewarded. The rioters are given federal subsidies, and the godly are taxed to provide the millions of dollars given to these anarchistic revolutionists. Liberty is disappearing rapidly, and not a week passes but someone in our circle reports on a further intrusion of statist power. Moreover, capitalization is being destroyed, as confiscatory taxation makes it increasingly impossible. Also, the products of our status schools increasingly lack the capacity to capitalize. They share, in varying degrees, the ideology of the, quote, hippies, unquote. They have, quote, dropped out, unquote. They will only coast, not build. Thus, we are seeing the basic products of Christian authority. One, law and order. Two, Christian liberty, spiritual and material and three, capitalization rapidly disappear from our civilization. They cannot be restored by a gimmick. No political candidate or officeholder can recreate this sequence or reestablish a spiritual condition. The mob, the majority, governs the politicians today, and the forces of anarchism are growing. We have anarchy because we do not have godly authority to reestablish law and order and liberty, and to capitalize our culture, we must again have godly authority. The sovereignty of God must become our basic concern. Quote, Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Unquote. In terms of this, we must also, quote, teach, unquote, or, quote, make disciples, unquote, of all nations. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, And this requires self-discipline. The weakness of much of the evangelical Christianity is a moralistic reduction of the faith to a few, quote, thou shalt not, unquote. But the alternative is not license, but as Christian athletes, 1 Corinthians 9.27, to commit our entire being to the cause of Christ and His sovereign authority. Anarchy is the end product of the denial of God's authority, Armed officers can and must quell revolutionary anarchy, but they cannot destroy the anarchy in the hearts of men. That inner anarchy, like a cancer, is destroying the life of Western civilization. Instead of declining each year, the forces of anarchism in church, state, school, business, society, and home are growing. They will not disappear until anarchy is replaced by God's authority. Until men seek that remedy, the anarchy will increase and will steadily strike closer to home. And when it strikes, it will not come knocking politely. How can we have God's blessing in the face of all these things? We must render to God what belongs to God, His due. Men must become godly men, heads of their households, spiritually and materially. We must render to God the faith and obedience which is His due spiritually and materially, the tithe which he requires, Malachi 3, 8-10. The tithe belongs to God, not to the church, which is often at odds with God, and must be administered for godly causes. We must recognize that the future is in God's hands, not in the hands of godless conspiracies, Psalms 2. And we can have no part in God's future apart from God's terms. 
as Joshua said, quote, Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24:15. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown by his paying the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. 
Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.